Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. What did you say earlier? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Probably not. Not anything of import. <laughs> He's never said anything important ever. No, actually, I actually never ever have, and I probably never ever will. Wow. Uh, that's like when someone asks me, like, like what I just said, and I'm like, you know what? I say a lot of things. I talk a lot, and I've learned to block myself out. So if you are not listening, I certainly am not listening. I really do. I do the same thing. I just talk so much. Um, and then afterwards, like, you know, like when you meet new people or you're talking to people who you don't really know that well, I'm really getting the habit of, I just talk a lot because I'm scared of an awkward silence. And then after I like leave the conversation or whatever, I'm like, what did I say? Uh, I have no idea. It could have been completely damning information. I really don't know. I feel that. And then sometimes I'm like, I didn't need to tell them that. Like, it's nothing too mm-hmm. crazy. Like, I don't overshare about, like, personal things. No. But I'll just, like, I just, like, will fill in stuff. And I'm like, you know what? We could have just sat in silence, but Mm-mm. absolutely not. It's impossible. I can't sit in silence. But I've decided that my biggest, like, pe- one of my biggest pet peeves is people who over talk. Like, at work, if someone has a question, rather than just say, hey, this is my question, they're like, hey. I live at blah, 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 My name is blah, 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 blah. My grandma's name is blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they tell me all this shit I don't need to know. And then I'm like, what? what is your question? I don't, we don't need a five minute introduction. It's like when you read a book and there's an epilogue. I don't need it. Nobody reads it. it. Nobody reads the prelude. Is that what it's called? Nobody reads the beginning part and the end part. Nobody is does the pre- it. Is it? Is it the prelude or is it the epilogue? Comment down below. I don't know. I think epilogue's at the end. But either way, I don't read the beginning parts or the end parts. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw this thing the other day where it was like, did you ever read Twilight? Uh, Parts of it, yeah. I've read the first book fully and then I kind of tailored off. Tailored off? No Ah, pun intended. But in one of the I think in one or two of the books, there is a section where it is by Jacob's perspective instead of Uh Bella's. And someone was like, how I'm reading this. And you're just sort of like skimming it because you don't really give a shit. Uh But you have to have that information because it's like a decent chunk of the book. And I'm like, yeah, that was 100% me. I'm just skimming it. I don't need to hear all of his werewolf talk. Because one year for Christmas, I decided I wanted my family to give me the full set of Twilight books. And then they're so freaking long and I never finished them. And now I'm to the point where I'm like, do I really want to read Twilight? And if I read them, like I'd have to start from the beginning. But I already know what happens. And I've already watched the movies. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Uh, That would have been a really good quarantine activity. Yeah. Um, But I did a lot of cross-stitching I read half of that book, uh, The Hunger Games, like, the the prequel to all of The Hunger Games, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? I still want to finish that one because it actually was pretty good, uh, but law school started before I could finish. And I got a witchy book. That one was fun. I didn't finish I, it. You know, I'd like to borrow that Hunger Games book, but I'm going to need you to finish it because the last time I borrowed a book from you, I kept it for a year and six months. 
I remember. But luckily, I had finished the book. Uh, mm-hmm. I finished That's that book I was actually like, very quickly. Yeah, I was like, you know what? I don't need to rush this. Also, because if a book does not immediately, like, capture me, I, like, have to force myself to finish it. So I really read a lot of, like, it, like suspenseful mystery books because I'll just tear through them in a day or two. But, yeah, if it's something kind of slow, like an autobiography, I'm just going to need to buy it because I'm not going to go to the library and keep renewing it. I suspect that this summer I'm going to be an expert reader. After reading so much in law school and it's the most boring shit you've ever read in your life, most of it, if I can't make it through a Suzanne Collins Hunger Games book in like a week, what am I even doing? So, I suspect I can get through it quickly. Or not. I'll probably just go cross-stitch and watch 90 Day Fiance like the trash human I am. Yeah, probably. Scroll through TikTok at least three hours. Mm-hmm. All right. We're about five minutes in. That's probably enough chit-chat. Let's cut the chit-chat. <laughs> it's done. Listen, it's we, over with. We like Never to keep again. the chit-chat to a minimal uh this week's theme oh wait sorry this is a podcast uh and the podcast is called this is gonna sound weird and i am one of your hosts sydney i am the other host taylor and this week's theme is vampire stories vampire diaries um mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it so it's gonna have something to do with vampires uh, that is very uh, appropriate that we mentioned Twilight. That wasn't even oh, intentional. Uh, yeah, that actually wasn't intentional at all. I forgot that those two were even related. Wow. I'm just obsessed. I feel like we mentioned Twilight actually last week or the week before as well. <laughs> uh, you know what? I just feel like Twilight at this point has become like a cult classic. Like, so sorry <laughs> to everyone listening, but can we all agree the films could have been better? obviously but if they were better would they have been as good (laughs) that is what i'm saying it's like when you watch like rocky horror picture show and you're you're kind of like this could be better and it could make more sense but if it did make more sense and it was better it just wouldn't it wouldn't hit the same no it would not the making more sense part i think that's the whole thing it it shouldn't make sense if it did make sense nobody would go and run in their underwear in a theater full of uh strangers Strangers. yeah but yeah so i think twilight's become kind of a cult classic and so a lot of times it is on my like twitter feed or tiktok feed of people just kind of like poking fun out of it but also being like it's one of my comfort movies true very true jacob he's hot so you know whatever you mean shark boy yes that's exactly what i mean Anyways, all right. Well, uh, I you went first last week, right? Yes. So I will be going first this week. Well, this week I am doing my story on Dracula, aka Vlad the Impaler, dun, aka dun, dun. Vlad the Third. Well, loser. <laughs> but he was known to as his, by his friends, Vlad the Third. <laughs> and my sources were history.com, National Geographic on YouTube, Biographic on YouTube, and I will be listening to more of those biographic videos on YouTube because, one, the man had a very 
smooth British accent. Hell yeah. Second of all, very informative. Uh, I also used Wikipedia. And, you know, I did watch a video, an epic rap battle video on YouTube. I don't think I got any information from it, but I did want to mention that that exists. I forgot the epic rack battle existed because I probably haven't listened to one of those videos in a good 10 years, but they're out there. They're they're making videos every day. Interesting. And then a video called The Infographic Show. Wow. And uh, I, before I kind of dive in here, I do want to put a little bit of a trigger warning on this one just because i know this is a show about true crime paranormal and everything in between but there were moments when i was listening to this reading about this man and i was like damn (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i just wanted to kind of put that out there uh the you know shit popped off you know a couple thousand years ago all right all right maybe not a thousand at least a hundred or something. I don't know how math works. I don't either. Well, I'll tell you. When it all began, Vlad the Impaler, not his legal name, was born <laughs> in Transylvania in 1431 as the second son of nobleman Vlad II. And Vlad II hoped to reclaim his throne as the ruler of Wallachia or Wallachia uh, and... Basically, the a lot of the names that I'm going to mention of places don't really exist anymore because it's all Romania now. Uh-uh. So, Vlad Sr. formed an alliance with the Ottomans in order to achieve power. However, the alliance involved leaving his two sons at the Ottomans' court to prove this loyalty to the ottomans basically he was like you can hold on my kids as collateral you know (laughs) to make sure i don't screw y'all so this meant vlad the third better known as vlad the impaler and his brother grew up to observe the turkish ways of battle which vlad would later use in his future that is called a little little nugget for later (laughs) foreshadowing a foreshadowing (laughs) if you will a little little clue of what might be coming your way uh so as they continued their education vlad's brother would grow up to convert to islam and vlad himself would begin to resist the turkish ways so vlad senior with the help of the ottomans was actually able to reclaim his throne however in 1447 hungarian rebels attacked and Vlad Sr. and his son, Mizel II, were put to death after attempting to flee. So, this left 16-year-old Vlad III to be the rightful heir of the throne. However, soon after taking the throne, the Hungarians invaded once again, forcing Vlad to flee to Moldova. And Vlad would eventually end up in Transylvania. You ever heard of her? Mm. I've heard of Hotel Transylvania. All right, well, we'll get to that later. <laughs> where he became, where, so where he entered into a mentorship under John Hunyadi, Hunyadi, I believe is how you pronounce it, who was a Hungarian warrior. And John was against the Ottoman Empire and hoped that Vlad would help him take back the throne that rightfully belonged to him. 
So, with John's help, Vlad was able to reclaim the throne and begin looking for revenge to anyone who had been a part of the plot to overthrow his father. And in one instance of taking revenge, Vlad invited all of the traitors to a feast at the castle, where he arrested his guests and impaled them in front of their families and kept the children that were there captured as slaves and used them to rebuild his castle. And he later killed them once the castle was complete. Uh, that was not very cash money of him. <laughs> <laughs> no. It reminds me of, if any of you have ever watched Game of Thrones, there is a part, you know, okay, a spoiler, bing, uh, <laughs> the, there's a part in one of the later seasons where Arya has all these people as a feast and he, like, kills them all. Or if you've ever watched, you know, there's the episode with the Red Wedding where they have the wedding and they kill them. You know, there's a lot of feast. Don't go to a party in Game of Thrones because you'll die. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, so this was the first time that we hear of Vlad impaling people. However, it wouldn't be the last and if you don't know what I mean by impaling, let me just paint a little bit of a picture for you. So he would take a huge stake, like a big ass piece of wood, preferably a dull stake. So it wouldn't have too, too much of a like jabby part on the end. And he would shove it up the person's butt and leave it there. So the person would be perched on this stake and he would leave them there so that their body weight would press <gasps> down slowly until their organs would eventually, like, be destroyed by the weight of it. And you would hope that this would take, you know, a couple hours. But in some instances, it would take days. Oh, God. And you got to think, he would do this to several people. So there would be, you know, say 50 people <gasps> out there in the field. And so you would have to watch other people die while you yourself were dying. Oh, God. That's much worse than I ever could have imagined. I thought he was mm -hmm. just, like, stabbing them in the stomach with, a like, a steak with a piece of wood or something. No, he essentially makes, <gasps> like, a shish kebab out of these Stop people. Stop it. <laughs> I cannot. I did put a trigger warning at the beginning of this. I just want to throw that out there. It's just... Oh, that... Sitting, can you imagine sitting there literally with your organs just being slowly crushed for days? No, I could not. Thank God. Yeah, okay. This is like kind of off topic, but on topic. There's a page on TikTok where this lady literally describes to you what it would feel like to die in various different ways. She, I need to message her and tell her to do this one. Like, she's like, this is what it would feel like if you died in a wood chipper. It's very uh. interesting. Um, well, I hope she never comes across my For You page because that would just add to more anxiety in my life. Yeah, when I watched the first video at night, I was like, this is bad. <laughs> it's not for me. Not for me. I already am concerned about, you know, dying in various ways. I don't need her to, you know, put in my head that I'll actually feel it. Yep. Yep. So, uh, now that Vlad has this power, he's reclaimed the throne, he begins to enforce his own sort of moral code for his people. And part of this moral code was ensuring all women stayed pure until marriage. So any woman who... Yeah, I don't know. 
um, a little bit different than Genghis Khan, but, you know, mm-hmm. still kind of pervy. So, any woman who had premarital sex would be impaled herself. However, instead of it going up her their, her anus, it would go up her vagina. And in addition to this, her breasts would be cut off and the man she had been intimate with would be forced to eat them. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, uh, this is the only thing I can say about that is that I'm glad the man is also being punished. Yeah, we we stand we stand an equality ruler. I mean, but in theory, they both should have been impaled. Uh, this is true. But, this is true. You know, we'll take what we can get. I guess it's it was a small step in the right direction, but maybe they should have thrown the man in a wood chipper. Would have taught him a thing or two <laughs> in the fourteen hundreds. <laughs> Imagine how slow it would have been. <laughs> Someone's got to crank it. <laughs> oh God. So, you know, in addition to being sexist, Vlad also hated beggars. In one story, Vlad invited all the beggars of the town to a feast where he let them eat until they were full. And then he locked the doors of the building that they were in and set it on fire so that they would all burn alive inside. Oh, God. I mean, that's preferable to the impaling, probably. Yeah, I mean, not the best way to put an end to poverty. No, not at all. No, no. But, um, yeah. So, Vlad hates poor people and women. Oh, mm. Seems like he really hates everyone, if I'm being real. Yeah. But as Vlad grew in power, so did his dislike for the Ottomans. So, Vlad became a member of the Hungarian Order of the Dragon, whose purpose was to defend Christianity against the Ottoman Turks. While a member of the order, Vlad gained the name Dracula, or Dracul, Mm. meaning son of dragon or devil. Okay. And during a crusade, Hungarian general, I'm going to butcher it, Mahali Sivagia, uh, who had been an ally to Vlad and also was against the Ottomans, was cut in half. So this further angered Vlad, and he made it even more of a commitment to resist the Ottomans as they continued to take over much of Europe at that time. Which, if you didn't ever take, you know, world history in high school or uh, European history in high school, basically what happens around this time everybody's invading everybody everybody's trying to take people's shit and the ottomans were like listen we're just gonna take all of it how about fuck y'all i want it all i just looked up a picture of him and i didn't realize that this was him he looks so silly (laughs) well he do look a little silly he's got like a mustache he's got a very long nose he's got very curly hair and a funny hat yeah, which, okay, I know a lot of that is cultural, um, but whoever painted his photo made him look sillier than I'm sure He's, like, cartoonish. He yeah, it's very odd. I'm sure he looks scary in person, but maybe his artist was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull one over on him. Yeah, fuck this man. Uh, he probably, he probably didn't get pulled one over on him, because I imagine he probably was very specific about how he wanted to be painted. That's true. He's probably like, if you don't make me look 
a certain way, I will impale you. I bet you he's chubbier than how they depicted him because they depicted him really skinny um, looking and I bet you he's a lot chubbier than that. Oh, yeah. Well, because a lot of times back in the day, if you were fatter, it meant that you were wealthy. So there ain't no way that man's skinny. Also, I envision him to have like kind of like darker circles under his eyes. Uh You know what I mean? You can't paint so. dark circles on somebody, though. That would be a no-no, I don't feel like. Yeah. He's got to get some touch-up. <laughs> so, as the Ottomans continued to conquer new land, they attempted to take over Modola, um, which is where Vlad was ruling. So, you know, today's Romania. And so they sent letters to Vlad requesting a fee to be paid as well as a donation of soldiers to serve in the Turkish army. However, when sultans came to meet with Vlad to discuss this agreement, basically I think they were like, hey, Vlad, obviously you're going to surrender. Like, we're not even worried about it. You know, we're just coming here for a formality, you know, to collect your soldiers and to get you to sign this paper. So they go to meet with Vlad and the sultans, uh, refuse to remove their turbans Uh, i guess which i think of like how you know you wouldn't in the in the united states we take your hats off for the national anthem so i assume that vlad assumed that they were going to take their turbans off when meeting him as a sign of respect even though i'm like it's their culture they probably will not do that well evidently this pissed vlad off so he had his guards take screws and nails and nail the turbans onto the sultan's heads like through their heads i guess he was basically was like if you're not going to take it off now you'll never take it off so obviously this killed them Uh and then he sent his army to attack the turkish soldiers that were waiting on the shore and had the entire army impaled as well oh uh of course of course so basically he gave a big fuck you to the ottomans uh how many freaking big wood sticks does he carry around with him you know that's a good question i imagine that he goes to costco and buys them in bulk like also is it just like a tree at this point i don't know they just stick you on top of like a skinny tree you know i would think it couldn't be too skinny because it's got to hold your weight this this seems this seems but i also think i also think that you know he's probably reusing the stakes he's not really caring about sanitary uh you know measures for something like this but you know i don't know a good question though Uh, yeah Mm. so at this time vlad became known throughout europe and was by many praised for his resistance against the Ottoman Empire. Because at this time, the Ottomans, they were just kind of, like, annoying. Because <laughs> they, <would> co- <laughs> they would come to your town, and they would say, hey, we're going to take all this shit. And then they would. You know, they'd steal your women. They'd put make all these rules. They'd tax you to hell. And then, it'd be like, literally, if British, if if, you know... The UK came over here and said, hey, we're going to take your ass back. You know? That that would be something. (laughs) You're no longer the United States anymore. You are UK number two. Hello? Uh, Ironically enough, even the Pope liked him. 
Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily, you know, for his impaling rep, but, you know, something tells me he, I don't know, maybe he liked it because he was, you know, enforcing uh, abstinence, waiting yeah. till marriage. Also, he was a crusader at some point, so mm-hmm. the Pope probably just thought he was doing all of it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, but... Vlad, because he had, he would leave his victims impaled, like, on the shoreline, people were hearing these stories, and the Turks, Vlad's enemies, were terrified. So, they're hearing these stories, and they're like, oh, shit. shit. And even though, you know, Vlad was not the best to his own people, he, in some regard, was known as a sort of hero in his homeland rather than a monster, but I think it's because he fought so hard for them not to be overthrown by invaders. True. Also, I feel like maybe a lot of people didn't realize uh, exactly what he was doing. They probably just knew he's, like, killing people, you know, they're at war, uh, but they they probably don't know that he's sticking them on a, you know, a stick and putting their guts up in their body or whatever. I guess. I also think it would be like, I don't know. I feel like in the United States, we sort of idolize certain presidents who were uh, like in power during wartime because we're like, oh, he's protecting us from the enemies, even though they might be doing some shady shit that, you know. We're also, like, eh. Yeah. Also, later the, on, we're like, that don't fly. The, the times were different, also, because you know, back in those days, they used that like pair of anguish, lots of torture devices, where they, you know, the mm. pair of anguish, you know, they shove that thing up your booty hole and then it expands in your booty hole. Oh yeah, I've been to medieval times, the dinner show. I paid the five dollars to go into the medieval torture device hallway where they show you the different devices. Uh huh. So, um, yeah, I know. I know. If you haven't ever been to a Medieval Times dinner show, I would recommend. Not for your young children, because when I was little, it scared me. But as an adult, <laughs> I love it. You can drink. You can yell at the performers, like, because you have your own night. If you've never been, you have your own night that you're supposed to cheer on. And so, you know, you'd be screaming for the blue night, but you want to say, fuck you to the red night. I've never been. You. I want to go. Especially if you can drink. I'm down. Yeah, they drink. It's pretty It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, as a child, it freaked me out because I thought that, you know, they were murdering people. For real. Because <laughs> there's a part where they're, like, jousting. And I was like, this is too much. I'm five. I'm dead. My dad had to take me out into the gift shop. <laughs> but, anyways. Uh, so, in addition to impaling, Vlad was also a fan of sort of guerrilla war tactics so he would ambush people and also he would send in people who had been infected with the black plague and he would send them into the turkish village in order to wipe out the entire village oh oh no that's so odd yeah because i because the turkish people i guess were like I guess would be camped out kind of near him and so he would just be like alright go on in there you've got the black plague you know go cough on some people that is terrible go to the the local buffet and don't wash your hands so that when somebody touches the tongs after you (laughs) it's gonna get gross no 
you know? Ever since COVID, I'm like, how did we ever eat at buffets? Even though I, lo- I used to love a buffet. <laughs> kind of, uh, I was already a little disillusioned with buffets, except for that one at Disney World in the, that one hotel, mm-hmm. the seafood one. Oh, that shit oh bomb. Gosh, we gotta- oh, any buffet good. with endless crab legs? I ate so much fried shrimp, I thought I was going to die. And my little brother's allergic to shrimp. I was sitting right beside him shoving that stuff in my face. And my mom was like, please be careful. Don't get shrimp juice on your brother. And I was like, Caden, you were just going to have to die tonight because this is unlimited shrimp. And it's extra torture because he loves shrimp. He didn't develop the uh, allergy until after he formed a love of shrimp. (laughs) God, I think I just have to pass away Just end it all <laughs> if i couldn't eat it i had shrimp earlier today so shrimp's it's delicious so, it's so fu- yeah shrimp and crab legs bomb mm-hmm. so uh vlad was killed in the early 14 like the earlier part of 1477 while fighting the turks and it's said that he was decapitated and that his head was preserved in honey and sent back to Constantinople to prove that the infamous Impaler had actually been killed. Mm. However, before he died, Vlad promised to return and take revenge against all who had betrayed him. And it's also been rumored that whenever he was buried, he was buried at a monastery and that they later opened up the coffin and he was gone. So, you know, people are like, maybe he rose from the dead. When I would think... If I'm going to be honest with you, I would think that someone probably snatched his body. Because they were like, oh man, this is Vlad the Impaler's body. Yeah, also, he, he didn't have his head. Yeah, this is true. Also, I've heard about that, about different celebrities who are buried. There is a cemetery in L.A. called Hollywood, I think it's Hollywood Forever. And that is where Marilyn Monroe is buried. And they have security because people always be wanting to snatch up. Oh, God. Famous bodies. That's so terrible. So, yeah, it is. But, yeah, it's interesting. So, after his death, it is predicted that Vlad was responsible for 20,000 impalements. Oh. 10,000 burning at the stakes. 5,000 beheadings. 10 Turks with nails screwed through their heads. And at least one story of someone being boiled alive and served to their oh. family to be eaten. No, so, uh, some gruesome accounts also claim that Vlad liked to dine with the bodies of his impaled victims and that he would even dip his bread in their blood. And stories like this, obviously, you know, makes for a perfect movie and tv villain Mm -hmm. so in 1897 bram stoker released a novel entitled dracula the book tells the story of count dracula who is a blood-sucking vampire who attempts to move to england from romania Mm -hmm. Uh, which i believe there is a film from either the 80s or the 90s and it has Winona Ryder in it. I've seen it a long, long time ago and I think that is actually a retelling of the novel Dracula. Mm. So it's been a while, but I think I have seen it. I've never read it though. So the novel shares many details with Vlad's own story, the use of his name, Dracula. 
and Vlad's birthplace of Transylvania, as well as the rumors of Vlad drinking the blood of his victims. So this has led a lot of scholars to kind of, you know, insinuate that Brahm is, it was inspired by Vlad. However, there's also no concrete evidence to prove that Brahm was super knowledgeable when it comes to, you know, Vlad the Impaler. He didn't have Wikipedia and YouTube like I I do. So he's, I am very voiced. I'm very educated on this topic, but perhaps not with Bram Stoker. So the book was the first time vampirism had been connected to the name Dracula, but it would not be the last. Uh, Dracula has gone on to inspire so many other novels and films, you know, Twilight, as we have mentioned, uh-huh. True Blood, and perhaps the most famous and critically acclaimed Hotel Transylvania. That movie's so good. I don't care what it is say. <laughs> Honestly, it it is really good. I'm not even gonna lie. For uh, a it's kids one of Adam movie, Sandler. It's funny. It's funny, and it's also heartwarming. It is. So it's one of Adam Sandler's better, better pieces. Mm-hmm. Well, more obviously his his stuff from way back when is good. Like we all love Happy Gilmore and Big Daddy, but Hotel Transylvania is on up there. Oh, hell yeah. It's good. But that is the story of Vlad the Impaler, a.k.a. the real-life Dracula. Thank you for that story. That was actually, I didn't know any of that, and I love a good, well, I guess I knew some of it, but I like a good history story. Um, No thank you, though, for the detail about what impaling means. You're welcome for that. Uh, You know, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll do Vlad the Impaler. Like, that's kind of cool that he inspired Dracula. But I didn't know too, too much about it. Because we, in high school, we talked about him just a little bit. But we were like, he exists. Move on. The Ottomans are doing a lot of bullshit. Uh-huh. But the fact, this man, he was wild. He was wild. And he reminds me a little bit of, like, Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. Which you talked about in our Halloween episode, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you ain't listened to that. I highly recommend. I do as well. Uh, There's also a 1920s movie that I think is titled Nosferatu. And it is just like a silent film. And I would suggest everyone should look it up. It's pretty funny, pretty creepy. When I was in middle school, one of our creepy history teachers would frequently show us a clip from Nosferatu. Because if you remember... From that one Spongebob episode. I was going to say that. I was going to say when that. When the lights flick on and off during the hash-slinging slasher episode, they'll go, Nosferatu. And then it's literally Nosferatu. like the Dracula character. And then I realized it was from that little film. And I was like, wow, Spongebob, excellent writing. <laughs> yes, very cultured. Yes, Nosferatu is, yeah, it's just like kind of like a funny little silent film it's kind of creepy looking. He's got like little claws. They mm-hmm. sometimes play it on Turner Classic Movies around mm-hmm. Halloween. It's normally way you can see it. But I'm sure you could probably look up clips on YouTube as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Are you looking for a new adventure? Did you ever want to visit the city where all your nightmares reside? Well, you're in luck. 
Join us, your tour guides, Christine and Jen, to visit Nopeville, where you will be personally escorted on an all-inclusive trip through the city and see all possibilities of terror and fright. You'll see all sorts of things on your tours, including, but definitely not limited to, the paranormal, true crime, the supernatural, and more. If you're into all that and enjoy a little dark humor, book your tour today and nope right along with us. Check us out on our website at nopevillepodcast.com to see where you can listen to Nopeville today. Is it my turn now? No, we're actually going to end the episode. See y'all next week. All right, bye. I didn't prepare anything anyway. <laughs> so I was just going to retell you the silent film Nosferatu, actually. Okay. We're doing my story. I'm doing... I took a little bit of a different route than you did. And I took a route that typically you would take, and you took a route that I would take, which we've kind of done. we did that two weeks in a row. I know. It's What's happening? Weird. I don't know. So, uh, these are my sources. Wikipedia.com, the Rod Farrell page. Ranker.com, 12 Criminals Who Really Thought They Were Vampires by Amy Robleski. And BearGrassThunder.com, Rod Farrell, Leader of the Deadly Kentucky Vampire Clan by Richard Stotman. So, I'm doing mine on a guy named Roderick Farrell. Or Rod Farrell. I'm just going to refer to him as his last name. Rod sounds too, you know, like we're friends or something. Which we are absolute. Just hanging not. out with Rod. Mm-mm. I'd rather My boy not. Rod. <laughs> okay. So, on March 28, 1980, Roderick Farrell was born to his 16-year-old mother, Sandra Gibson, in Murray, Kentucky. Soon after he was born, though, his father left to serve in the military and pretty much thereafter abandoned Farrell and his mother. And Farrell's father was never a part of his life. So Farrell and his mother didn't quite have a stable home life, and they often bounced back and forth between uh, her parents' house. Her name's Sandra. Yeah, I said that earlier. They passed back and forth between Sandra's parents' house and public housing, Um, And she worked as an exotic dancer and sex worker in order to provide uh, for the two of them just to make ends meet. But they didn't have a great relationship, but they were able to bond um, because from a young age, Farrell's mother introduced him to, you know, creepy, macabre things in life, especially vampires. She was really into vampires, and she got her son really into vampires as well. That'll probably, that'll probably be me. Not specifically vampires, but, uh, you you know, I'll be like, listen, we're gonna talk about the JonBenet Ramsey case, even though you're five. Because, you know, this could happen to you (laughs) right now. (laughs) right (laughs) be prepared so sandra introduced feral to vampires at a young age like i said and they love to watch vampire movies together such as various dracula films as you've mentioned that they're that are out there uh and they liked the comic book they like comic books and something that was called vampire the masquerade which i think is like a game so while sandra and Farrell were able to bond over these things. She wasn't what you would consider an ideal mother. And they had a very complex relationship with her son. And she made some pretty questionable decisions herself. One of which was writing fairly disturbing love letters to a 14-year-old boy when she was just 34. Ooh. So, not great. 
you know, clearly Farrell did not have a great childhood. And as he grew into his teenage years, he continued, though, to be obsessed with vampires and just all things creepy. As, you know, as we all are. Twilight Listen, was our teenage years. Uh, my mom would have described me as that in middle school. She'd been like, this girl, she, need to, she needs to lay off the Twilight. And around that time... <laughs> The Vampire Diaries came out, uh-huh. and so it was just like that whole that whole year. And then Rihanna released the song Disturbia, <laughs> yeah. which was just kind of also kind of like ooh supernatural. So my mom was like, "No, absolutely not." Yeah. So while in high school, uh, Farrell pretty much fit your um, the goth aesthetic. You know, he had long black hair he dyed it black it wasn't naturally black he wore all black clothing including you know a trench coat just just your average style for a what, a 90s uh goth kid mm-hmm. i've and, seen the movie the craft uh-huh and so at this point he was living in eustace florida and he became friends with a girl named heather windorf who he went to high school with but about a mere about a year after meeting Heather, he moved back to Kentucky where he was born, but he stayed in contact with Heather. There wasn't too much details on why he moved back and forth, but I would say he could have been in some sort of, you know, like foster home situation. It never explicitly said it, but gathering from his relationship with his mother and everything, it's possible. Because at this point, he's only in high school, so, you know, he's still under 18. So, while in Kentucky, his vampire obsession really began to get out of control. And at this point, he was claiming that he was a 500-year-old vampire named Vasago. And so, Where did you get that name from? I, you know, I really couldn't say. Uh, he watched a lot of vampire movies, so maybe, you know, he named himself after a vampire in a movie or something. Didn't he just was like, up. you know what? Nosferatu. Vasago. Vasago. So he decided that his best plan at this point, you know, he was a vampire, so he started to collect members to join his, quote, vampire cult he wanted to create. So the members that he was collecting for the cult were, they came from, you know, equally bad home situations, and many of them were just considered outsiders, they were just kind of trying to find a place to fit in. It kind of... From, like, the surface, it kind of seems like, oh, you know, when you're a kid, you'd be like, we're going to start the cool kids club. Meet at this spot on the playground. It's It kind of is like that, but then it turns not so great. So, the cult was composed of feral and other teens that he befriended, and they would often hang out at a place that they called the Vampire Hotel, which was just a rundown structure in the middle of the woods near Kentucky Lake. Not to be confused with Hotel Transylvania. No yes. affiliation. No affiliation at all. Very different. Very, very different. And this a Vampire Hotel is a place where they would play a role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade, which I mentioned earlier. So I guess it's like a LARPing for vampires. It's oh, what it seems like. Um, they would also throw parties, use drugs... Uh, and apparently drink each other's blood because they're vampires. Yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do at a vampire mm. hotel? I mean, you're not, you know, that's a good question. Obviously, they're going to drink the blood, but 
That's nasty. Uh, yes, that is very nasty. I would never drink anyone's blood ever unless, I don't know, I was dying or something and I needed some nutrients and they were dead. And w- Would that provide you with anything? Well, I don't know. You know, I told that story about that guy who drank turtle blood and he survived in the ocean <gasps> for like 13 months. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm not going to rule it out. That'll, we'll Google this afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, the vampire cult also would apparently, you know, complete rituals. And so, once, Farrell and a boy in the cult named Howard Scott Anderson, who was pretty much Farrell's, like, right-hand man in the cult, they ended up getting charged with cruelty to animals after they broke into an animal shelter. And while Wait, they were- ho- ho- hold on. Do I want to hear this? It's not too bad. Trigger warning. It is, like... <laughs> some animal-related violence. Um, out of here. Um, no, we're done. <laughs> but while they were there, they tortured and beat 40 dogs and killed <gasps> two. That's and, so mean. Yeah. And they allegedly were doing so as some sort of vampire-slash-satanic ritual. Man, fuck them. Yeah, I don't really... The torturing and beating, because... Whenever I first read it, I thought they had stolen, like, a couple dogs to go, like, sacrifice in the woods. Uh, But that's, yeah, that's not really what happened. So, I was like, why did you beat a bunch of dogs and then just kill two of them? Like, that doesn't make sense. But that is what had happened. pieces of shit. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, the group, while they are doing some god-awful things, for a lot of these teenagers was, like, kind of like a safe haven. For these teens that needed to fit in. But clearly they were involved in some bad activities. So, around the time that Farrell's cult was growing, he was still in touch with Heather, the girl that he met when he was in Florida before he moved. He was still in touch with her. And he learned some information from her that he did not like. Heather told Farrell that her father was abusing her. And this made Farrell very angry. And he and Heather, like, kind of after this, were pretty much in contact all the time. Farrell ended up racking up hundreds of dollars in long-distance phone bills talking to her. But around this point, Heather's parents were like, you know, we don't want you talking to this guy anymore. Probably because they could tell something was off. And so the parents cut off access, like, for him to call her. Guess I don't know if they cut off her full phone access or just to him, but she couldn't call him anymore. So this was pretty much the last straw for Farrell, and he decided he was going to rally the cult and go on a quote rescue mission to save Heather from her parents. So Farrell wanted to save Heather and then run away with her to New Orleans to start a vampire family there and live what they thought was going to be happily ever after as vampires in New Orleans. Like the originals. Yeah. Which, you know, New Orleans does have vampire culture, so... They do have that. It makes sense, uh, I guess. And also, they got a lot of stuff. They got beignets. They've got... (laughs) bourbon street they got all sorts of stuff they got jazz music you know i would be down to move down there me too it's so damn hot down there i was watching actually 90 day fiance and one of the couples lived in new orleans and the girl who moved from i think it was thailand she hated new orleans because they she lived in new orleans with her new husband and she was so scared of it that they she forced them to move and they moved to portland oregon (laughs) 
what? Apparently Portland has a larger Thai community and that's what she wanted. Also, she was scared in New Orleans. She started carrying a gun with her and she had never shot a gun before. It was oh, a whole no. thing. He was like, he was like, I gave her a gun, you know, to make her feel safe. He was like, but every time she hears a bump, she runs to grab her gun. And I was oh like, oh Lord, no. She doesn't know gun safety either. I can just tell. No. Anyways, we're not talking about 90 Day Fiance, even though I could for a long periodically time. We are on November 25th, 1996. Farrell and some of the members of his cult made the 750-mile drive from Kentucky to Florida. Once they made it to Florida, the group picked up Heather, I assume not from her home, probably, you know, like from a friend or on the side of the road or something, so they picked her up, but their car broke down. And so they were like, well, shit, how are we going to make it to New Orleans? So at this point, Heather was like, okay, I'll make you a deal with Farrell. And the deal was this, that she would get her keys that she had with her to her, like, family's home. And she would let them in the house so they could go steal her parents' car so they could continue to New Orleans. But in exchange for doing this, she wanted Farrell to perform a, quote, turning ritual on her in which she was going to drink his blood and it would turn her into a vampire. So... Farrell was going to turn her into a vampire in exchange for a car so they can go to New Orleans. <laughs> All right. Fair trade. Yeah. So the ritual took place early in the morning. I don't know if it was that morning or the next morning. It took place early in a morning in a cemetery in Eustis, Florida. Beforehand, uh, before Heather started to drink Farrell's blood, he consumed a large amount of LSD. And then he cut himself with a razor blade and she drank his blood from the cut. <laughs> and so after this ritual, they were like, great, feel good. I'm a vampire now. So the group left the cemetery and two of the men from the boys from the group, Farrell and Anderson, went to Heather's home while the, the gals in the group went to another location. So, yeah, Farrell and Anderson went, and Heather actually went to her boyfriend's apartment. So, she had a boyfriend. She was running away from her boyfriend, from everything. She went to the boyfriend's Mm -hmm. apartment and wanted to say goodbye to him before she left for New Orleans to live her new vampire life with Farrell. I don't know if her and Farrell, you know, had a crush on each other. It didn't really say. Uh, That part was unclear. So... At this point, Farrell and Anderson entered Heather's home through their unlocked garage. And when they entered the garage, Farrell picked up a crowbar and continued into the home. So after they were in the house, they found Heather's father, Richard Wendorf, asleep on the living room couch. And after like a few moments of deliberation and silence, Farrell began to violently smash the crowbar into Mr. Wendorf's skull. Before Mr. Windorf even had a chance to fully awaken, he had been hit multiple times and had a fractured skull and ribs, and he was almost instantly knocked out and was killed shortly thereafter. So, in the end, Farrell had hit or smashed Mr. Windorf more than 22 times in the face and skull. Oh my god. Now, keep in mind, they said they were just going here to take a car and leave, but yet... All of a sudden, this has occurred. 
And so while this was happening, Heather's mother, Naomi, heard the commotion and rushed into the living room to see what was happening. When she ran in, she saw her husband being beat to death by the two boys. Well, by Farrell specifically, I guess. And she tried to stop them by splashing a pot of scalding hot coffee that she was carrying in his face. Mm -hmm. But Farrell hit her with the crowbar. And the blow was so hard that it actually severed Miss Windorf's brain stem and killed her instantly. <gasps> so, later on, though, Farrell said that he didn't actually want to kill the mother, but when she threw the coffee on him, it made him angry, and at that point, he decided to kill her. And I was like, bitch, no. Why did you kill either of them? It doesn't make sense. Because, like, I guess he, in his mind all along, he may have intended to kill the dad because he thought the dad was abusing that girl. Yeah. And I don't know if he actually was abusing her or not. Um, That was unclear. But either way, uh, he should not have been killed, clearly. No, definitely not killed. Uh, Also, you have to be pretty fucking enraged to beat someone that hard that many times yes and also i don't know what lsd does to you or if he had any other drugs in his system but earlier that day he had been taking and what they said was a large amount of lsd so who knows what was in this I, boy's I mean, mind i can only imagine do you remember that one news thing it was in miami where that guy did bath salts and ate the other oh, yeah. man's face off in oh, the street yeah. i remember that the bath salt face eater can't never forget it don't do drugs ultimate, for the love of god that was the ultimate florida man yes this also yes. occurred in florida so something about florida i tell you listen, listen you know i i have an appreciation for florida Mm-mm. but you know what miami is a different breed it's a different breed of florida True. wild shit goes down there I've seen Spring Breakers. I know what happens. <laughs> uh, before leaving the house, Farrell burned the shape of a V into Mr. Windorf's body, which was supposed to be like a symbol he used for cult purposes. I don't know if he was trying to make his mark. I guess maybe his name was whatever his name was. Visago. So maybe it stands for Visago. Um, so at this point, Farrell and Anderson did steal the family's Ford Explorer and left the home. And so later that night, the bodies of the Windorfs were found by Heather's 17-year-old sister, Jennifer, when she arrived home from work. And after this, the group of teens skipped town. Like, they picked up the gals, Heather, all of them, and they skipped town. And they were on the run for about four days But the group was eventually found in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on November 28th, and police were able to track the group um, by a call that one of the girls in the group had made to her grandmother asking for money. So they, Um, like, didn't have money, and she called her grandma, she was like, hey, grandma, you give me some money? And the- Listen, I can't blame her for that, though. Because if anybody, you know, your parents, they're not going to give you money. But your grandma? Oh. She might. I mean, my grandma, she gives me a card for every holiday, even if it's, like, not really a big holiday. She'll be like, happy St. Patrick's Day. I love you. Here's a card. Mm-hmm. So. Grandmas, grandmas are going to heaven first. Oh, hate to tell obviously. Y'all. But, you know, whenever I first read that, I thought that they were able to, like, track 
her phone call through like technology. But then I was like, but this was in the 90s. But turns out when the grandmother heard from the girl, she called the police and was like, hey, those people you've been looking for? Uh, my grandma, my granddaughter just called me, said this is where she is, asking for some money. So the grandma basically turned them in. God. Snitches get stitches, grandma. You, I'ma send her to a home. Grandma was like, not only are you not getting money, you going to jail. Uh, so. One, one less Christmas gift I gotta buy this year. Uh-huh. So, in 1998, the trials began, and at first, Farrell denied the accusations, and he tried to claim that there was a rival vampire gang uh, that had framed him, but eventually he had to plead guilty because there was overwhelming evidence that he had done this, and not so much evidence of a rival vampire gang framing. It wasn't like West Side Story, where they were like, yes. No. Not at all. A rival gang confirmed. So he pled guilty to two counts of felony murder, and his attorneys tried to argue that he was insane because he had actually been diagnosed with schizotypical personality disorder, and the University of Florida testified, they were like an expert witness, I guess, testified uh, that Farrell would sometimes see, quote, spiritual things like angels and demons. Which I'm like, okay, I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, but in the end, he was sentenced to death. And keep in mind, at this point, he's like 17 or 18. So. S- During the trials, though, Farrell claimed that he was the only one other than An- Anderson in the group that was guilty of, like, any crime. However, two of the girls in the group were also convicted of crimes. Charity Kesey, which was the one who called her grandma, was convicted of two counts of third-degree murder robbery with a deadly weapon and burglary burglary armed with a weapon or explosives. She was sentenced to 10 and a half years in prison and was released in 2008. Dana Cooper was also convicted of the same charges as Charity, but was given 17 and a half years in prison and she was released in 2015. Anderson was convicted of the same charges as Farrell and was sentenced to life in prison. So, for two years, Farrell held the record as being the youngest inmate on death row until 2000, the Florida Supreme Court reduced his sentence to life rather than death. Then, in April of 2020, Farrell had a resentencing hearing, but the judge upheld his life without parole sentence and deemed him, quote, irreplicable irreparably corrupt and he is currently still in prison at Tamaka Correctional Institution in Daytona Beach, Florida. Daytona baby. And so that is the story of Rod Farrell and his vampire cult and his murder of two innocent people. Wow. Well, I have actually never heard that story. I haven't but either. it reminds me of... It kind of reminds me of that story that you told about, I think her name was Natalie. I think I know what you're talking about. It was the one where the girl was like dating that boy who thought he was an old freaking vampire and he killed, they killed her whole family or whatever so they could run Mm -hmm. away together. Yeah. Whenever I was looking up, I was specifically looking up like crazy, like murderers who thought they were vampires or whatever. And that one did come up in the list. So... Don't hey, trust you know, a don't... person who says that they think they're a vampire. Just don't. I mean, listen, 
we're not going to judge. This show is called This is Gonna Sound Weird. We're all about the unusual. But if they take some LSD, don't trust. Maybe don't trust. Mm-hmm. Listen, don't do don't do drugs. Don't, I said it earlier. Don't do drugs. I say kids. it again. Don't do them. Listen, out al- drink alcohol. Yes. Drugs. drugs? No. No thanks. No. No sir. Uh, beer mugs, not drugs. Yeah, exactly. That's gonna be our new shirt. <laughs> That's a good merch idea. Comment down below if you'd like to. Somebody create a design. We'll pay you five bucks. I will give you the shirt. I'll give you a shirt for free. How about that? Mm-hmm. I'll sweeten the pot. Yep. And five sweeten bucks. the pot. We are really sweetening the pot here. Mm-hmm. My grandma sent Come me an Easter basket and she put uh, money in the eggs in the box that she shipped. And, you know, she put a $5 bill in one of the eggs. She put some quarters in one of the eggs. It was really something. I mean, shit. I've seen it where people have done, like, adult Easter egg hunts, and they put, like, mini bottles uh-huh. and, like, scratchy lotteries in it. Uh-huh. And speaking of Easter, it, it's almost Easter. Happy Easter. That's true. If you happy celebrate Easter. Easter, if not, happy Sunday. <laughs> happy, you know what? Happy long weekend, maybe, for you. I yeah, need a day off. I do, too. It's nice. Um... Next What's week, our theme for next week? Yeah, I actually looked it up before we started. It's May. Oh, right. it's, Sorry. You think you're better than me? Did you look it up? No. Because okay. I knew you were going to. Uh-huh. It's major... I've got you wrapped around my finger. <laughs> our theme is major news headlines. And that could be uh, yeah. anything. Yeah, that could be the little Nasex <laughs> music video. Don't tempt me with a good time. Because that has got me just fascinated. And you know I hate anything pop culture, truly. You know what? It's a catchy song. I'm going to give you that. It is. Even Brandon's I have listened to it at least three times. Oh, I did too. And it's a short song, so it's like you can just repeat it real quick. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what it says, but it's a good song. Call me when you're on way. And I keep seeing those TikToks where people keep having it where he's going down a pole yes <laughs> riding the, the stripper pole into hell yeah that's something oh, okay anyways yeah so major news headlines is next week's theme uh don't forget to follow us on instagram at gonna sound weird pod or twitter at gonna sound weird or you know what we're on tiktok <laughs> taylor post at least 10 a day Please, give our girl some support. Actually, the most recent ones have been you, and then I posted, well, I don't know, I think we've been going back and forth. I actually had a TikTok the other day that hit, like, 50,000 views. Not that many likes, because it was just a video of Brandon power washing the deck. So... Listen, I watched that one, and that shit was satisfying. So, you know, I, uh, it, I don't understand TikTok still, but we're, either either way, follow us either there. Either way, we'll take it off. Um, and send us send us some shit at this gonna sound weird at gmail.com it could be a weird story it could be anything that you would like uh if you have you know graphic design experience and you do want to make us a shirt that says beer mugs not drugs you know just slide on in there mm-hmm. the gig pays one shirt and five dollars yep exactly that's what the gig pays so we'll be waiting on your submissions um so that should be a fun time. Nobody will probably yeah. submit anything. Let's be let's be honest. Y'all hate us. Let's be honest. The second that 
the second person finishes their story, everyone's like, all right, goodbye. See you next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that it? That is it. All right. Goodbye. Stay weird. Goodbye.